Hi, my name is Sherry Rendell, and I am the Director of State and Local Engagement at FAIR, and I am joined with Susan Tully, who is the Special Projects and Law Enforcement Relations Manager, and a special guest, Senator Phil Hart from Idaho. He represents District 2, and he was also a former representative for several years. He's an engineer and actually can tell you about building walls. We are just so fortunate to have him. Senator uh, Philip Hart has been to the Arizona border four times and two times this year. And I would say that's even more than both President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, who've only been one time each. So welcome. Why have you gone to the border twice this year? Why did you feel it was necessary to go? and visit? I went to the border twice this year, but but each each one of those visits was uh, three days long. We stayed in a trailer about a quarter mile from the border wall and uh, monitored, walked around, um, saw different uh, events and different uh, locations on the border. A lot of the politicians, when they go to the border, they, they go to the uh, main crossing, take a picture, get a briefing, and then they leave. But anyways, I felt it was important to go both before and after the so-called uh, Title 42 expired. And where I was in, in Arizona was a, a little town called Sassabee. And I was, I was very shocked to see how much activity there was on the border, how many migrants were coming through. I'd been to Sassabee in 2008 and 2013, and then twice this year. So it's quite a bit different than it was uh, 10 years ago when I was last there. Senator, you're from uh, Idaho. What kind of activities are you seeing in Idaho? Have things changed on the northern border as well? I hear there's more activity, but our northern border has been quiet compared to the southern border, at least up until recently. So I actually have not put uh, much time into to, um, seeing what's going on on our northern border. But what I saw in Arizona really shocked me, and the numbers of people coming across the border I think are not sustainable for this country. And and I had a chance to uh, talk to some of them, uh, not very well because you know I speak English and they generally speak Spanish, but um, I don't see how these people who are coming across our border are going to be able to integrate into our society. I think we're creating a, another class of people that um, uh, aren't gonna make a contribution to our society and that's gonna hurt both us and it's gonna hurt them too. I don't see a bright future for these people who are coming across our border and who are not prepared to become Americans. You talked about what you saw at the border. Can you go into a little more detail about some of the things? I think in an article you had written, you had mentioned the cartels and um, you had mentioned women and children and just give us a sense of what you saw when you, when you visited. Well, let me compare what I saw in 2008 and 2013 to what I saw this past uh, spring. Ten years ago, when I was down that same area, typically groups would come across the border and they would work their way up through the Arizona desert until they were 30, 40, 50 miles in. And then they would be carrying clean clothes with them. They would change into their clean clothes. They'd dump their clothes that they uh, crossed the desert with. And then they would try to make it appear that they had, they belonged in that 
whatever Arizona town they were trying to uh, integrate into that they had gotten out of bed that morning and, you know, were on the way to work. And they were small groups. Uh, one night, uh, 10 years ago, I was with a group of about 30 and we made a, a line about three miles long and we were out there all night and we caught six people coming across. Um, and that was a, that was kind of a big night to actually catch anyone. Well, now they're just pouring across the border. And as soon as they're five feet north of the border, they basically have a, a free ticket to America. They can stay, they can um, uh, be hosted by some sort of a non-governmental organization and border patrol processes them. They don't, they don't uh, deport them right away. They give them a court date that's about 18 months to three years out. And uh, I understand most of them don't show up for their court date. So now uh, what was more of a, a difficult journey for someone crossing the border is actually a, a guaranteed event where once you're five feet across the border, you're guaranteed to be able to stay in the United States, at least until your court date. And then if you don't show up to your court date, nobody really comes looking for you. So, Senator so you asked about women and children. Um, when I was down on the border this past spring, the groups that we saw coming across were 95% women and children, uh, only a handful of males. And it's not a normal cross-section of society. So there's, there's a, you can just tell there's an organization behind it. And it's, it's um, immigration, illegal immigration being managed on an industrial scale. The biggest group I saw come across was 64 women and children uh, I don't think there was a single male in that group from Guatemala. There was one person, a woman who spoke English, that another member of our group had actually run into that woman before. So she was evidently cycling back and forth across the border. But none of these Guatemalans spoke English. She was the 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 one uh, person who um, was not from Guatemala did speak English. So I, I, you know, I looked in the eyes of these people and I just thought, what what kind of future do you have in America if you don't speak English? And we don't have any marketable skills, as far as I understand. And how are they going to integrate in? How are they going to make a living? How are they going to be a contributor to society? I, I just don't see that these people have any kind of a bright future. So, Senator, you've touched on a, a lot of the issues uh, that people think about when they see what's happening down there. But you have now been down there through several administrations, and yet no laws have changed. No, no new laws have been introduced. You keep hearing people call for, we need comprehensive, comprehensive immigration reform. And yet what really has changed is policy from president to president. So um, it's not necessarily the laws, it's the fact that we're not enforcing them and that the policy of this administration is one of open borders. Would you Would you agree with that assessment? And what do you, think we can do at the state and local level to, to help offset bad policy? We have laws in place that make it illegal to aid an, a, um, an illegal alien on our side of the border, but those laws aren't being enforced. And I could never see Congress running a bill to make that legal. I mean, there'd be so much pushback in the committee hearings and, and it would never, it, it would never get through the legislative process. And so we do have laws in place, but they're not being forced. And if you read the constitution, it really boils down to we the people to enforce what the constitution calls the laws of the union. 
So folks need to read their constitution because there's a there's a solution in the constitution. But um, short of that, I I think we need to just bring more ma more pressure on Congress to make sure that the administration does enforce the laws of the union. And what I saw down at the border was the administration has to be a partner in what's happening because it's happening at such a large scale. There's no way anybody can claim that they're not aware of what's going on. So, so we actually have our current administration partnering with the people who are trafficking the humans across the border. And it, it's really sad that, that, it's come to that. And so for us, we can we can um, we can pressure Congress more. But we also ought to read our Constitution and figure out how we the people are going to enforce the laws of the union if those who we elected to enforce it are unwilling to. Senator, as a representative, you had introduced and sponsored an employment verification bill. Why was that important to you? Do you plan to do something similar uh, in the Senate? Well, we have a we have a problem with uh, a lot of illegal aliens in the state of Idaho. Uh, they're mostly working in construction and in agriculture, and so I, I think on on in our state we need to try to do something. But typically, it's a federal issue, not a state issue. So there aren't too many ways we can we can uh, legislate on the state level. But I ran a bill in 2010, and uh, what this bill would have done would would to would be to take away a state license from an employer who was employing illegal aliens if that employer had not vetted them, and if the employer had vetted them through a, a program called E-Verify, then that was a defense, and the employer would not be sanctioned under this legislation. I didn't get it done. I ran it uh, two or three years in a row. Uh, there was a huge amount of pushback. And um, each year I was getting a little bit more traction, but then uh, my time in the house ended and uh, and uh, so the bill sort of died. But that was my attempt to try to do something at the state level with regard to um, uh, the illegal alien problem. I also ran a bill when I was a house member to require extra scrutiny when somebody moves into the state of Idaho from another state that issues driver's license to illegal aliens. And so it would have been extra scrutiny for that person to get a driver's license in Idaho. I didn't get that done either. And I do plan on bringing that back uh, uh, next year. Well, we um, appreciate your fighting for the rule of law. And um, we are excited that you were part of the process that uh, enacted anti-sanctuary legislation in uh, Idaho this past legislative session, as well as fought off giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. So we hope that as the uh, push to give driver's licenses to illegal aliens continues, that you'll be at the forefront fighting this. Well, thank you. And uh, there's another bill I want to bring next year. That would be a bill to uh, put an excise tax on monies that are are wired overseas out of the state of idaho and um that's not going to stop illegal aliens from crossing the border but it might stop them from coming to idaho if there's a 20 percent surcharge on the money they're sending 
That is the remittance fees that you're talking about that, that go out of the country and the United States, uh, I think in 2017, if I remember, it was 150 billion. I'll have to double check that figure, but um, we do have a tremendous amount of money that goes out of this, this country to uh, other countries. I'm gonna just say also that we need uh, foreign workers in this country and we need a program that honors their existence here, that regulates it, that um, uh, might give them citizenship at, at some point in time. But we need those workers, but we need them here legally. And it's better for the workers that they're here legally too, because then they um, uh, they don't have to look over their, their shoulder. They don't, they'll have less worries. And, and I think it would be uh, better for both the employer and, and the, uh, and the worker. They were following the law and not here in our country illegally. Well, Senator, we certainly appreciate all the effort that you've made uh, to enlighten yourself, to educate yourself about what's going on at the border, to then bring that information home and, and step up with the people in Idaho and, and try to get legislation done. We are here to help you and uh, really are very pleased with the kind of work that you're doing and let us know if we can help you in any way. Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you. I just want to thank Senator Hart and Susan Tully for joining me on the Understanding Immigration podcast.